Well, uh, my name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here. It is good to see all of you guys here this morning uh, as we start off a new year. I could, I could think of worse ways maybe to start off uh, a new year than to come here, uh, to be encouraged by one another, to, be, uh, to engage with God in worship and to jump into his word today. Uh, I'm excited to be with you this morning. Um, uh, you know, it's 2017. It's the first day of 2017. And as New Year's go, uh, it's time to start thinking about some goals, right? Uh, some things we can fail at in a month. And because uh, <clears throat> that's how goals go, right? Like, and we have all kinds of goals. We have financial goals and, and we s- try. And we have, uh, you know, relational goals and we have, uh, you know, goals for our time, uh, fitness goals. We have uh, spiritual goals as well. And, 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 you know, this is really kind of just a natural uh, time for that. Uh, my wife and I, we just joined a gym. And uh, we did that uh, in December so that we could judge everyone who starts in January and, uh, and just kind of complain about them. You know, we've been here a whole week. Why won't these people just leave? You know, February's coming uh, because that is how human life exists, isn't it? Like we make goals and we, we uh, set those goals and we hope for the best. And a lot of times they don't last very long. Now, some of you guys have the spiritual gift of goal setting. Uh, Phil Taylor, our executive pastor, uh, he has plans for his plans. Um, <clears throat> one time he explained to me his boxer short strategy. Uh, you're like, that's too much information. But it's, it's so Phil Taylor, you know, like he has a strategy literally for like what underwear he's going to be wearing at what point in the week and for what reason. I love that about him. Most of us are not that way, right? Most of us, we're lucky if we can, you know, uh, wake up, brush our teeth and get to work on time, especially for those of you who have kids, especially for people like our lead pastor, Renault, with eight kids. I mean, I don't even know how he does life at all whatsoever because goals are difficult. They're difficult to achieve. And if you do achieve those goals, sometimes it's difficult to sustain those goals. And where that can be, you know, a little bit frustrating when it comes to like physical goals or uh, health goals or career goals. Um, sometimes when we set spiritual goals for ourselves and we don't achieve those goals, it can be really devastating. Um, As the teaching team, we got together this week and we were deciding on, okay, um, you know, uh, approaching this week. We didn't decide this week. It was before, I promise. Uh, But our teaching team got together and we were deciding, okay, what are we going to bring to the church for uh, this New Year's uh, message? And we kind of kicked around a few ideas. And one of the thoughts that we had is, okay, why don't we talk about you know, what does it look like for us to really connect with God in a rich and meaningful way and help people kind of overcome some of the obstacles for connecting with God? And so we thought that would be a really great way to start off 2017. We kind of went away from that conversation and began to really think through and process through and pray through what we would bring to the table for the church. And as we came back together, we found that all of us had really different struggles when it came to our spiritual lives, when it came to connecting with God, when it came to our walk with Jesus, we all had kind of some different struggles, some different things that each one of us uh, bring to the table. Part of that is probably life stage. Part of that is personality. Uh, Part of that is just kind of where we are in the ebb and flow of our our walk with the Lord. And, uh, And so we thought, you know, it's probably true that as we look at a congregation of, uh, you know, several hundred people, um, man, there's probably very wide variety of challenges that people face in terms of our relationship with God and connecting with him. 
And so what we've decided to do this weekend is that all of the preachers are going to be preaching a different message. So uh, Brady preached on uh, Thursday, and he's going to be preaching to our evening service as well. Uh, And he talked about one thing, and it was fantastic. Uh, Renault preached on Thursday. Uh, He talked about another thing. It was fantastic. Um, And I'll be be talking about something today that will be at least mediocre. And... We want to encourage you guys actually to podcast uh, the other two messages as well, um, just because it'll probably be better. But also, uh, in addition to that, maybe my struggle, maybe what I'm bringing to the table may not connect with you, and maybe some things that Brady's going to share or Renault is going to share will uh, connect with you a little bit more. And uh, Brady, as he, as he uh, shared with, with uh, the Thursday night 832 gathering, he talked about, you know, what does it look like to overcome sin in our relationship with God? Fantastic message. Uh, go check that out um, if you have ever sinned. Um, so all of us should watch, uh, listen to that message. Uh, it'd be good. Um, and then, you know, Renault, our lead pastor, he is obviously the most spiritual one. Um, so... <laughs> He brings to the table, he's like, you know, I've been really thinking, you know, maybe like people's prayer lives are, are, are kind of just, you know, one way. Like, like they connect with God, but they don't really hear back from God. And so maybe I could talk about that. And I'm like, dude, I'd like to have a one-way prayer life. You know, like I'd really like to feel like I'm like actually like spending time in prayer with the Lord on a consistent basis. I'd like to have the problem of, I'm not sure I'm hearing God respond, you know? And so Renault is going to be sharing that. And I would really highly encourage all of us to go and check those out. Uh, But today, you know, as I've been kind of uh, praying through this and thinking through this and just asking God, okay, what is it um, that, that my life can bring to the table in terms of this problem that many of us face with connecting with God? And thinking about, you know, New Year's resolutions and goals and how so often we, we aim at things, but we, uh, we don't quite hit the mark. Um, what I want to talk with you guys today about is, is what does it look like and how do we deal with things uh, in our spiritual lives when we, when we feel like we're not, uh, we're not winning, uh, we're losing, uh, we're, we're, we're not experiencing uh, a, a victory in our spiritual life, we're not experiencing victory in our walk with the Lord, when we feel like we're in a rut, when we feel like we're dry, how do we deal with that? How do you, feel, or how do you deal with failure in trying to connect with God and feeling like it's just too difficult? Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. I'm going to read you some scripture that's going to depress you. And then hopefully uh, by the end, we'll be encouraged together. Why don't you grab your Bibles? Uh, we're going to go to Colossians chapter three, and we're going to start in verse five. And the apostle Paul um, describes in the book of Colossians, really the aim of our Christian life, really the aim of our spirituality, really the goal of our, our, our relationship with God, what the relationship that we have with God ought to produce in us. Paul wrote to the, the church in Colossae about, uh, about that. And I want us to take a look. Uh, Colossians chapter three, we're gonna start in verse five. It's on page 1080, 1088, if you're using the Mosaic Bibles. Colossians chapter three, starting in verse five. If you go up to the the beginning of the chapter and look at the heading, these are not inspired by God. This is put there by the ESV committee that that translated the Bible. It says, put on the new self, which I think is so appropriate as we're stepping into a new year. We all want to put on the new self. Uh, Jared, our worship leader, just talked about, you know, this this, uh, new year and a new desire for God. And uh, I want to start in verse five. And and, and Paul talks about how, what what it looks like to put on the new self. And in the first part of this, he's going to talk about what we got to do before we put on the new self. And he's going to be talking about getting rid of the old self. So we're going to start there. Verse 5, Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to go through the, uh, through the end of 17. 
Paul says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you two once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek nor Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. So Paul is saying, hey, step one, if you're going to put on the new self, you've got to get rid of the old self. And Paul is uh, giving us some things that belong to the old self, things that, that, uh, that are actually things that we, we lived in, not things that we just struggled with, but we lived in before, uh, before we knew Jesus. And these are things like malice and anger and wrath and slander and obscene talk, things that we do often still struggle with, even as followers of Jesus. But these are things that we lived in, that we lived and breathed and we embodied these things before following Jesus. And Paul is saying the first thing we've got to do before putting on the new self is get rid of the old self. And then he says in verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. We're going to stop there for just a second. Think about your own life for just a second. Which comes more natural? Part one or part two, right? What's easier, malice and rage and anger? What, what, what comes more natural when you're uh, in a busy parking lot and someone cuts you off, right? Is it like um, compassionate hearts? Oh, they must be in a hurry. <laughs> Kindness. Oh, yes. Go, go ahead, sir. sir. Merge. Merge. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Humility. Oh, they're more important than me. They should go. They should go, right? Like, how does this go in, in your homes, in your family life? You know, moms and dads, you got kids at home. Like, I don't know why school's shut down. Why do they give kids a break? <laughs> right? It's just a recipe for disaster, isn't it? Like, I love that Christmas song where it's like, and mom and dad just can't wait to school, you know, get what, what's the line, Lauren? What is it? Mom and dad can't wait for school to start again. Lauren is the resident expert of Christmas carols. So if you need any, my wife will help you. Um, but the reality is we look at our lives and, and what comes more natural to us, even for those of us who love Jesus, is that first list, not the second list. Am I right? And a lot of times when we evaluate our lives, when we evaluate our, 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 our walks with the Lord, when we evaluate our Christian life, when we think like, like who are we? What's our character like? And we have goals and, and, and want to grow in godliness and grow in Christ-likeness. A lot of times it's frustrating because we look at ourselves in the mirror every morning. We're brushing our teeth and we realize that we're a lot more like list number one than we are like list number two. And Paul goes on to say, Listen to this in verse, uh, verse 15. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. 
and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read those things, I feel like, man, that is not my spiritual life. Like here you have the Apostle Paul like frolicking in the fields with the Lord, you know? You're like, come on, dude. Like I've got like a to-do list. I've got the lawn to mow. I've got kids to pick up. I've got, you know, my, my one kid's failing math. The other kid's failing English and I'm failing parenting. And what is Common Core anyway? You know, it's like <laughs> we struggle with every single day life just to kind of like breathe, just to tread water. And Paul is talking about this life that is full of abundance and, and the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts and all of these amazing things that we're putting on love and kindness and meekness and gentleness one another. And we're like, but that does not describe our lives. So what's missing? What, what is the tension? I, I mean, truly, if you and I were deeply connected with God, deeply engaged with the Holy Spirit, if the words of, uh, of, the, of the scriptures were ruling in our hearts, if we were applying those things to our lives, perhaps we would, we would experience a degree of what Paul is describing here. But I find that so often in the life that we live, in the world that we live in, there are so many distractions, so many roadblocks, so many things that keep us from living the life that Paul is describing in Colossians chapter 3. Because the world that we live in is full of demands. The world that we live in is broken. The world that we live in is fallen. And we live in this already not yet experience. What I mean by that is that we are already redeemed. We are already uh, set free. We are already uh, holy. We are already all of those things in Christ. And yet we still battle in the everyday life. We still have a sinful nature we still live in a world that has fallen. We still live in a world that is broken. And we are waiting for the day when Jesus completes making all things new, as he promises to do in the book of Revelation. So here we are making resolutions. Here we are trying harder. And so many of us feel like we're failing over and over and over and over and at some point, you just kind of feel like it's time to stop making resolutions, right? Like, why even try? Am I really going to be all of those things that Paul describes in Colossians? Am I really going to have that vibrant a relationship with God? Am I really going to be connected so deeply with God? Is the peace of Christ really going to rule in my hearts? Am I going to put on the new self? Because the old self seems so much closer to me than the new self. And I tell you what, man, that's, that's where I've been. Maybe some of you can relate. Maybe some of us have been there. Maybe some of us are there today. But the good news is, is that we're actually in very good company. You and I are not the only ones who have experienced a difficulty in connecting with God and seeing the fruit of that connection play out in our lives. We're not the only ones who have felt stuck we are not the only ones who have felt alone. We are not the only ones who have felt dry or abandoned. We're not the only ones that have felt like failures, felt like we don't have victory. We don't have this Christian life. Like, I don't know what Joel Osteen is smiling about, but I don't experience that. 
Amen? Amen. <laughs> yeah. Don't read his crap. It's terrible. Yeah. You got a different Joel today. I'm just saying. It's a, it's a different Joel. I always get the worst parking spot. I mean, that's just my experience. I don't know. Anyway, I digress. Now, hey, seriously, in all truthfulness, like if you're here and you're like, I love Joel Osteen, God loves him too. So, <laughs> and this is my last message of 2017. <laughs> sure, that... Pretty positive of that. (laughs) Oh, boy. I can't imagine anyone's going to be like, make sure to podcast Joel's message. (laughs) We're going to, like, hide that in some corner of the Internet where no one can find it. Anyway. So we're in good company. Um, Man, David, if you've uh, you've read the Psalms, the Psalms are just so encouraging— um, because David, his life was like, man, up and down and left and right and all over the place. And the Bible describes that David was a man after God's own heart. And I love that phrase, like after God's own heart. You know, as Jared was uh, encouraging us to sing, uh, as we sing that song, Altar, you know, my desire is for you. Like that, that would be our prayer that that is the aim and the direction that we hope to go, that we desire to go, that, that we would be people going after God's heart. And I love that in David, that he was a man after God's own heart, that he was in pursuit, that he was chasing after God. But I also love that David didn't get it right all the time. He wasn't perfect. He didn't always have this deep connection with God. Sometimes for David, God felt very far off. Sometimes he felt very near. Sometimes David uh, was, was living in obedience to God and sometimes uh, he was very disobedient. I mean, one of the famous stories is, uh, you know, him with Bathsheba and, and, and David, he's a king and, and, uh, and, the, and the nation of Israel was off to war. He was supposed to be at war, but instead he stayed back. Bathsheba was bathing on the roof of, of her house and as David is overlooking the kingdom, he sees Bathsheba. He sees that she's beautiful and he brings her into uh, you know, his palace. They sleep together. She ends up getting pregnant. So to cover up David's sin, David makes sure that her husband, Uriah, goes on the front lines of the battle so that he dies. So in essence, David commits murder after committing adultery. So this is a guy who's not like killing it in Colossians chapter three. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and David writes these words. I want you to turn to Psalm uh, 143. And I love just the honesty and the vulnerability and the reality that comes out in these words. David doesn't try to paint a pretty picture. He doesn't try to put on a a Christian smile. He doesn't try to act like everything's good and that he is, uh, you know, blessed and highly favored. David just gets honest with God and says, hey, this is a struggle. Psalm 143, you'll find it on page 582 of the Mosaic Bibles. David is crying out to God. And I love the title of this psalm as well. My soul thirsts for you. David says, hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, 
for no one living is righteous before you. So David is crying out to God and he feels like God isn't even listening. He feels like God can't even hear. And he's pleading with God to, to answer him, to li- just to listen to him and not to respond in judgment, but to respond in mercy. And David is confessing, hey, there's nobody that's righteous before you. God, I'm not getting it right. I'm not doing this perfectly. I need help. Verse three, he says, for the enemy has pursued not my circumstances, not my life, my soul. David says that the enemy has pursued my soul, that that we have an enemy of our soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me and my heart within me is appalled. David is feeling defeated. He's feeling frustrated. He feels like there is a war for his soul and he's losing. And he's crying out to God and he's saying, I'm appalled at my own life. My heart, I'm appalled. I look at my life. I look at my heart. I evaluate what's going on right now and I feel like I'm losing and I feel appalled. And for those of us who feel like we've struggled in our relationship with God, especially over a long period of time, we can relate to how that feels. We know what it feels like to to, to look and evaluate our own heart, to look in and be appalled at what we see. And what David is doing is he's crying out to God for help in desperation, and he's admitting to God that there is nothing that he can do to remedy the situation. But he continues on in verse five and, and turns a corner. He says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul, for I am your servant. In the beginning of this psalm, David is focused on his failures. He's focused on uh, his enemies and his troubles, but he begins to turn a quarter and, and begin to focus on God and begin to focus on his faithfulness. He says, I meditate on what you've done. I remember what you've done. And what David is discovering in this moment of thirst, in this moment of anguish, is that if we expect victory to come from our own willpower. It won't come. We're gonna fall short. We're gonna fail. And we'll lose every time. 
See, some of us are, are here today and we're totally like, we're locked in. We're like, yes, I, I know what this feels like and we can relate. Now, some of us are here today and it's like, Psh, I'm good. I've been in the gym since December, y'all. <laughs> totally good. I've been, I'm, I'm memorizing verses and, and I'm, you know, reading books and I'm listening to podcasts and, and uh, man, I, I attend church and I serve and, you know, I'm, I'm giving generously. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm ticking all of these spiritual boxes. I'm killing it. And all of these people, I feel sorry for them. I don't know what sin is in their life that's not in mine, but man. And if you're, you're here today and, and you're having that feeling that, that, that you're succeeding and everyone else is failing, let me warn you. There's nothing wrong with being excited about what is true in your relationship with God. But if you're depending on your own ability to live out the Christian life, let me warn you. Because the best it will ever be for you is how good you are at it. That's all you got to look forward to. But what David is discovering is that when we feel like we're losing, and many of us are, and when we feel defeated, that the solution is not that we continue to look into the mirror, but the solution is that we begin to look up. See, the key to the Christian life is not that we get better, that we do better, that we become better. And for the goal setters in us, that kind of flies in the face of all of that. The key to the Christian life, the key to victory in the Christian life, the key to a victorious relationship with God that, that uh, brings fruit into our life, that is the Colossians chapter three lifestyle. The key to that is not getting better, but, but looking to the one who is better. See, that's, that's actually the gospel. David said it right. No one's living righteous before you, God. Isaiah says there's no, no one who is righteous. No, not one. Romans says that all have sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So what makes us think that after we become Christians, that we become the ones who work out our salvation and our sanctification and become better? But that is our tendency. And the beginning of the year is our greatest temptation to step back into that rut and into that trap of saying, if I want more out of my relationship with God, it all depends on me. And certainly there is a participation that we have. There's no doubt about it. I'm not, we're not off the hook in that. But the reality is, is that when we put our eyes on ourselves, all we're gonna get is more of ourselves. But what David says is, I, wait a second, I'm desperate, I'm failing, I'm falling, I feel dead inside. But wait, I, I remember you, God. I remember your character, I look to you. And Paul said it this way in, in the book of Romans. I want us to turn there as well. Romans chapter eight, if you're in the Mosaic Bibles, it's on page 1046. Romans chapter eight, Paul begins to point us to fixing our eyes where they belong. He begins to help us see the key to victory in, in spiritual life, the key to victory in, in life following after Jesus. 
And Paul, beginning in verse 31, he's pointing us to the love of God and he says in verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Man, you feel defeated. You feel like there's an enemy of your soul and he's crushing you and you feel dead. The key isn't you trying harder, you getting better, you doing more. The key is to know that God is for you. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him give graciously, uh, graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, and more than that, who was raised, and even better, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So Paul's saying, if you feel like you're getting beat up, if you feel defeated, if you feel like you're losing, don't allow that to define you. Who can bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. God's opinion of, of what's going on in your life is the one that matters the most. In fact, it is the only one that matters at all. It is God who justifies. So Jesus died for you and then he was resurrected for you. And now, right now, today, this moment, January 1st, 2017, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding and praying for you. God is praying for you. You're in good shape. <laughs> That's good news. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tri tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, all of these things that we, we battle with in life, the, the enemy that is of our soul just trying to keep us dead, right? As it, is, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. This life is hard. Following Jesus is difficult. We live in a broken world. We battle the flesh. Yes, it is difficult. It's not going to be easy. That's a promise in scripture. It's going to be difficult. We're going to feel like we're dying every day. But in verse 37, here's the truth. No, in all these things, we are not failures. We are not losers. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So that's where the wind comes from. It's not, we're not more than conquerors when we pull up our bootstraps and try really hard. We're not more than conquerors when we get better, we do better, when we finally meet that New Year's resolution goal and we make it to March. We are more than conquerors, how? Through him who loved us. He says, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angel, angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, not your failures, not your struggles, not your enemy. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I want us to turn back over a few pages to the right page 1088 to Colossians chapter three, one more time. Colossians chapter three. It's the goal of Christian life that Paul lays out for the church. 
And I want us to go back to the top of the chapter. Because before Paul tells us what to get rid of and what to add, before he tells us how to put off the old self and put on the new self, Paul gives instruction on how that even becomes possible. Verses one through four, Paul gives us the key. And I skipped it to trick you. (laughs) Colossians chapter three, verse one, he says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, where he's interceding for you. We just learned that. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on earth for you have died. I don't know how much more Paul can say, this ain't about how good you are. You have died. If your faith is in Jesus for salvation, you have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer you that live or I that live, but Christ lives in us. Set your minds on things that are above, not on earth for you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. See, these are the promises that we live in as followers of Jesus. We don't struggle to win the battle every January 1st because the battle has been won The war is over. The victory has been declared. The enemy has been defeated. And you don't get the credit. Jesus does. And that's how we live for the glory of God. That's how the rest of Colossians chapter 3 makes sense. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we set our minds on the things that are above, where Jesus is interceding uh, to the Father on our behalf, when he who is our righteousness appears in our life, then putting off the old self and putting on the new is no longer a goal or an obligation, but it is a joy. And that is the Christian life. Have you failed? Everyone has but Jesus perfectly succeeded. And he did it for you. May this 2017 be more about the victory of Jesus than your own successes. Man, let's pray. God, we're so grateful for you. You're so good to us. And we know that we have no hope apart from you. I pray, God, that you would help each and every one of us recognize that Jesus is our only hope. Jesus, you are the one who has succeeded. You are the one who has achieved the goal. You are the one who has won the prize. Help us, God, as we seek rightly to put off the old self and to put on the new. Help us to know that we must fix our eyes on you because you have won the victory. And in you and only in you, we are more than conquerors because you loved us. You loved us. God, I'm grateful 
What a great place to start 2017. Just looking squarely at your victory, Jesus, and being overjoyed to just walk in it, completely undeserving. God, we love you. And I pray that this year in 2017, that our lives will be so much more connected to you than they've ever been not out of obligation, but out of joy for what you've done for us. We love you, God, and we're looking forward to all that you have in store for us.